Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, program faculty member for Influential You and your host for this weekly podcast. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we've helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, we're welcoming Tanya Torres to the Influential You podcast. Now, I know Tanya Torres is a wealth advisor, but as we'll learn today, she's reinvented herself into much, much more. Tanya has a beautiful story as to her why for her business, and I've invited her here to tell you more about her passion for helping clients, how I've watched her learn to value her own offer, and because, as you already know, this month, we've had guests on to speak to the conditions of life that we focus on in the Fundamentals of Transaction program. So far, we've had health, activity, career, and today, it's all about the Benjamins. We're talking about money. She's a subject matter expert on this condition of life, an incredibly gifted speaker, and I cannot wait until you hear some of her expertise on the subject known as money. Please join me in welcoming Tanya Torres, to the Influential You podcast. Hi, Tanya. How are you? Hi, Josh. Yeah. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, not half as excited as I am. <laughs> now, tell me a little bit about your offer in the marketplace. And, and for our listeners that may not know kind of your expertise, uh, tell us a little bit about how to relate to you when it comes to your career. Yeah. Um, so I am currently a financial advisor. I recently became a partner in a firm called One Oak based out of Houston. I started my career in finance in corporate America at a major Wall Street firm. I kind of dove in headfirst, not really knowing much about money. I am a first generation um, Latina, so really money conversations were not something we had around the dinner table mm -hmm. per se. So it didn't take a long time for me to be in that environment to realize, wow, there are just so many tools and so many resources that I had no idea of that I know for sure my community, my friends, my family do not know about. So what I kind of took to heart was how do I become that resource for people? And that's kind of what um, inspired and kind of prompted my transition into the firm that I am with now, because really it's the mission is to help others and to help people that are underserved when it comes to financial advising, financial planning. Um, and it was really one of my biggest motivators in launching Power Planning, mm -hmm. which is my company that's launching next week. Next week. And yes, launching next week. And it really is um, an intersection of my passion for using planners, like a physical planner similar yep, to yep. this. And finance. And I thought, what's the easiest way to be a resource to people without having to be in front of them? Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, there's only one of me. So I created a planner from cover to from cover from to cover, end. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and it is um, base. It's a regular planner with like weekly, monthly inserts. And it also has um, guidance and step by step instructions on how you can kind of Create your own financial plan. Wow. Everything from debt management to opening an investment account to how to um, plan your estate and speak to an attorney about what you need. 
um, taxes, a um, little bit of everything. So I'm hoping that, you know, I titled it the power planner. Uh -huh. I'm hoping that my pla power planner can, you know, give people the power that they need to kind of take control. That's so good. I'm sure that Joey is in the booth and he put up the website so that that way you guys can see the website. So that way you can go there and next week you can grab your, get your hands on one. Uh, I'll say this, um, remind me after the show to pitch you mechanics and practice because now awesome. girl, let's go, let's go, let's do some stuff. All right. All right so this is really good. I want to start way before. Mm -hmm. Normally, we'll we'll start with kind of what was leading up to to doing influential you. But when we first met, one of the things that really drew me to you was this story that you had about why this was so important to you. And a lot of people that we talk with at influential you have that thing about money. And you remember how blunt I was. I was like, well, it's just a tool. And you kind of looked at me, and it seemed like it was refreshing that yeah. someone else saw it the way you did. But your why um, kind of comes back to your family life and, and some things that you experienced. And so I'd love to just have you tell that story as to how you got into this world and, and why it's so important to you. Yeah. So at the age of 22, I was hit by a drunk driver. She was going the wrong way on the freeway and she hit me head on. I spent uh, about three months in the hospital, did rehab for a full year, had to withdraw from school, it was my, the accident happened a week before I started my last year at UC Irvine. So kind of cut the cords on that because everything kind of went, um, everything was put to stop to a halt yeah. because I needed to just focus on recovery. I went from being uh, on, in a bed, on a hospital bed, to a wheelchair, to a walker, to crane to I kind of joke about it to like kind of like a, a mellow limp <laughs> and that's kind of how that's kind of how my recovery went um and during that time number one I had no income um I was working part-time had no idea what even that even a disability income was an option let yeah. alone had it um I struggled to even pay my credit card bills that were minimal at the time. And my credit score went down the drain. Um, I had a, after I was discharged and went through the entire process, I had um, creditors calling me on a $2 million hospital bill. And I just had no idea. All I wanted to do was get my life back and be the girl that I was before the accident. Yeah. And I couldn't do that because financially, like, there was knocks at every door at every window nobody cared about how i was doing physically or emotionally they just wanted their money and yeah. i didn't have any so for me it was really eye-opening when i learned about things like disability insurance or even life insurance because i could have died that day and my family would have been in a position where they how would they have paid for my funeral who whoever thinks that a 22 year old is going to need a funeral so Things like that, that I started to learn as I, well, as I got to Merrill were really eye-opening. Um, I also, two years after my accident, I lost my father unexpectedly. Yeah. My father also did not have life insurance. Um, it was obviously before I started working uh, in finance. So we were kind of scrambling around to pay for the funeral. Yeah. And my mom had no supplemental income. My dad was kind of the breadwinner. So it was a rough time for all of us. So for me, getting into finance and seeing how, wow, people actually plan for this, like people anticipate this and people are prepared for this, um, really 
was an eye opener for me and really made me think I need to be out in my community and I need to be out making sure that people don't go through what I went through and they don't go through what my family went through. Yeah. And it's, for me, it's, it's humbling when you hear all of that kind of a story because it's, it hits home for so many people that I know that aren't prepared for things. They don't think accurately about it. As you know, I was a musician, you know, I, all I had basically was four chords and the truth. Like I didn't have two nickels to rub together. All those like, you know, sayings that you've might've heard, but when people say something like, well, money isn't everything. Like, how does that make you feel when you've gone through something like that and they just flippantly say some like cliche blanket ethic mm -hmm. like that? How does that feel? And, and tell me a little bit about your brain when you hear mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, well, I agree. Money isn't everything, but everything takes money. So mm -hmm. I will say that your life doesn't have to revolve around money. You don't have to be in love with it, mm -hmm. but money will make your life a whole lot easier. So really think of thinking of it as a tool is great but if you don't have that tool then it's not so great yeah so yeah and so to if you're just joining us for the first time the, the way that we talk about money is a lot of times it's a tool that measures the value of your work and we take a lot of the you know stigmas out of it and we really say well you want to get more money increase your value which is what we're going to talk about today with you because i just i'm gushing with how valuable you are and it, it makes me so happy to kind of see a lot of where you've gone with it, a lot of the why and a lot of how it's like, you know, 22 years old going through this life experience. And then I met you what, 10 years later, eight years later, something like that. Um, I mean, a few yeah, years about, later, about five years later. Yeah. And we're sitting at, I'm trying to remember the name of the coffee shop, badass coffee, something like that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's had a few names. I think now it's called surfers point cafe. Mm -hmm. And we start talking and I start to say some things. And I know I remember so clearly <laughs> I, I was saying things and you were like, wait, what did you say? Like, say that again. Yeah. Um, and we talked a little bit about sales and we had met through Caitlin Berenger yes. and she said, I've got this young lady that's this ambitious fireball mm -hmm. and in a hustle culture where, I mean, I know you and I both see it all the time, Instagram, mm -hmm. everyone is telling you hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm -hmm. I watch you buck the trend mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So tell me about what life was like before we started talking about influence ecology at the time. Mm -hmm. Tell me what like the day-to-day -day was. Tell me about your world before you started studying with us. So before Influence Ecology, if I can sum up what my life was like in one word, it would be chaos. Mm. <laughs> I was doing everything for everyone everywhere. And I was under the impression that my ambition um, and my hustle was enough to accomplish my goals. Mm. And I quickly learned by failure that ambition is not enough. Mm. You have to have something further beyond that. So before Influence Ecology, I was the person that had a completely full schedule that was running around from one place to another to meet every person possible that I could, to shake every hand that I could, to have as many conversations that I could really focused on quantity of everything, not quality of anything, which was really what made my life super chaotic. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put another thing because in the show notes, you also said that, you know, first off, it was, it was just like this ambition, right? Like mm -hmm. this unbridled ambition, which is great. Mm -hmm. It's better than not having it. Right. But at the same time, when it's not focused on a thing, you start to go in a lot of places that maybe you ought not go. Mm -hmm. 
and get into fights on social media that you might not get into. And one of the things that you said that was so funny that made me laugh the entire Starbucks drive through and they were probably looking at me like a crazy person. I would pick fights with people just because they said something about the Dodgers. And I just think that that's so our culture right now with social media. Tell me a little bit about what you learned with who to pick fights with, who not to pick fights with, anything like that that maybe you picked up uh, or that you were acting. Tell me a little bit about what life was like before. Yeah, so that's funny that you say that because now probably it's our culture is 10 times worse than what it was <laughs> seven or eight years ago. So I was the person that was arguing with random strangers on Facebook posts, Instagram posts, because they said something negative about the Dodgers, which sounds completely ridiculous, but I am a diehard Dodger fan. And I thought I will defend them to the end of the earth. And I don't care who this person is. I don't care that they live in their mom's basement in Florida. Like who do they think they are? And I had that mentality that I needed to change everybody else's mentality. And I needed to change the way that everybody else thought. And to sum it up, it was a complete waste of time. Yeah. What I see now is that, um, it was a waste of time because not everybody has the same vision that you have. Not everyone has the same perspective that you have. And if it's not going to, if the conversation that you're going to have with this person is not going to put you one step closer to what you're trying to accomplish, there's really no sense in having that conversation. Yeah. One of, one of the best things, and it's not necessarily in the text, but one of the things that happened to me was, I think it was Kirkland Tibbles, uh, one of the co-founders said, uh -huh. Josh, we pick our enemies, they don't pick us. And I immediately wow. went, oh, wow. let me write that down. Yeah. I'm going to get that tattoo yeah. at some point. But it's yeah. it's really funny because I don't really allow other people to have that control more often than not. Now, sometimes I do. I'm emotional. You are too. And what we find really quickly is that when you just, okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. Don't give them fuel to do that. Right. Social media or in person, right. Right. it's fun to just kind of play with them. And now that you know what you know about the transactional personalities, it's even more fun because you know how to move people and speak their language. Can you tell me a little bit about what you didn't know about the transactional personalities and then maybe what you've learned a little bit and we'll go into phase two of, of what you learned? Yes. So definitely one thing that I learned that I was, you know, in influential you or back then it was influence ecology <laughs> when I did it. Um, was that I was very naive to people's personalities mm -hmm. and you can't transact the same way with every single individual because everybody perceives and takes information in a different way mm -hmm. and everybody processes things differently. So if you have one, you have your offer that is positioned in the same way and you're trying to blanket offer to everybody, it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of what I was seeing where I was out doing the most talking to so many people because I thought, well, it's a game of numbers, right? The more people I talk to, <laughs> the more conversations I have, the better that I will perform with the goals that I have to me at my job and at my firm. And it was like 100% way off from what the reality was. And so I'm so glad you just said that because I remember this like it was yesterday. You said, well, it's a numbers game. I have to make 75 contacts a week. <laughs> and I looked you dead in the eye and I said, I make 10. Yeah. And you could have reached across and scratched my eyes out. Yeah. You were so mad. You're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. and 
tell me about what that was like because your firm was basically saying you need to make this many, uh-huh. you need to make this many calls. Uh-huh. And you were literally like grinding yourself to the bone over the stress of making those calls. Tell me a little bit about that culture and then we'll, we'll jump into what you learned since then. Yeah, it was a very stressful time in my life. Um, the culture, to say the least, was very, um, yeah, the, the idea and the sayings that everybody was saying around the office was the game of numbers. The, ne- the no, no matter how many no's you get, that no is putting you closer to the next yes. And I had no experience before that firm, so I had no idea. I just took advice from these advisors that were very successful granted you know um looking back now it's like i was taking advice from advisors that i never want to become like and that i would never want to be like but i didn't know any better so i was stressed i was i said okay 75 calls a week that's 15 outreaches a day i was the person sending cold messages on linkedin i was cold calling i was making people very uncomfortable and making myself very uncomfortable. And the reality was that it wasn't a game of numbers because I was fishing in the wrong pond. So mm. no matter how many hours I fished, nothing was working. Nothing was biting. Nothing right. was biting. And uh, John has trained me, John, uh, my CEO has trained me a lot about it's, it's the, it's the effort, but it's also the efficiency. And like, if we're looking at the numbers, yes, you do need to make a certain amount of numbers, but you also need to make sure that you're growing your fitness in those conversations. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that it it really is constantly checking those two things, not just checking, did I do what I say I was going to do, but also mm-hmm. how effective was that? Mm-hmm. And most people don't look at how effective it is. They mm-hmm. just look, did you hit the numbers? Mm-hmm. And it's so fascinating. I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up with 75. So if you're just joining us here with Tanya Torres, clearly knows what she's talking about. This is going to be a lot of fun, but we're also uh, going to tell about her story of what she learned after she started studying in the fundamentals of transaction program. Now you said the biggest thing you took away was you didn't realize that you were always transacting. Tell me a little bit about what you learned about transactions. So the first and most eye-opening thing that I learned was actually when we were in your office and you walked me through what a transaction was. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Like what's like, I've been doing half of this Mm. the whole time, like the entire time. Like I've only been doing bits, part bits and pieces of a transaction. I've never seen a transaction through its entirety. Mm -hmm. And I didn't lead that transaction. And I was the one leading that transaction. And I never saw it through all the way because I wasn't even aware of this. And I wasn't aware of where I was going wrong. I just kept thinking, well, that just, that's a no on to the next one, on to the next one. I didn't really pay attention to how ineffective my conversations mm-hmm. were for one and two, how I was not very intentional or purposeful in seeking conversations with people that actually, I actually wanted to work with. Yeah. Um, so that was one huge thing. Um, and two regarding transactions was that I didn't realize that you are always transacting, whether you are in person, whether you are leaving a comment on social media, um, whether you are on a podcast and you are always transacting, people are always making, having a first impression, getting a first impression from you, whether it's the first time they hear you or the, or the hundredth time they hear you and the way that you're positioning yourself 
at all times and at all hours of the day, no matter what platform you're speaking on, um, is potentially leading you to the next transaction. Yeah. That was one thing that was completely like, why? One of those things that was like, that's genius. Why didn't I think of that? Like <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't I don't like to brag, but I, I hang out with some smart people. I'll, I'll say this. You also mentioned a lot of the idea that the game changer with the approaches that you use for the different personalities, you probably are still using that. And I also saw you kind of position yourself to really focus on female um, investors or women with money, and you may have, have stayed there, you may have moved. Um, I'd love to hear more about how you found your niche in the marketplace and what your approach is now when you start to talk to different people. Like, what is your, what's the click? What does your brain do when you start to talk to a, a, another human? Yeah. So I think the way that I started working with females was because I started to realize that even with people that do work with an advisor, um, the woman, um, the wife, she's always kind of either very silent in the meeting or not even present at all. And what really changed my perspective on that was one particular client that I had that husband passed away mm -hmm. and wife had absolutely no idea even how much money they had in their accounts, let alone anything else that was going on. So to me, that was very um, eye-opening because it's like, how could you guys live in the same house and you have no idea what's going on? And, you know, I was brought up to be a very independent woman and I was under the perception um, that every woman thought the way that I did, that mm. everybody, all the women should go out and have their own income, should pay for themselves. And it wasn't until I, you know, became an adult and started transacting in the real world that I was like, oh, wait, you don't do that? Um, here, let me teach you. Wow. So I think what really, what changed my career was when I started focusing on my personal brand mm -hmm. and focusing Good. on my positioning myself as a financial expert on all any and all platforms yeah and what i focused on was my specialized knowledge yeah. and saying and making sure that people were aware that i knew what i was talking about and why i knew what i was talking about um and really on the education part and now i feel like i've done i've focused so much on my branding my personal brand um my expertise that um i don't do a lot of outbound because people find me yeah and it's it's really good too because i think when we talk about the condition of life known as career mm -hmm. the identity of help you are in the marketplace you did that and and i know that there's an undertone of sexism in a lot of the financial world i know that there's a lot of you know oh you know men it's a men field i'd love to hear more about what it's like in your world now as a female working in this world, and, and you, I know you'll forgive my naivete because you have to put up with me all the time. Um, will you tell me a little bit about how that serves you in a world where they're like, well, is there a man here that I can, or something like that? Is Tell me, tell me anything that you can tell me about that. Yeah, so when I first started, um, I had a few instances where I did have some prospects that questioned my intelligence and questioned my authority wow. simply because I was a woman and being very new in the industry I was like oh, 
like what? Like, let me show you my credentials. Like, yeah. let me show you everything that I know. And when they were not even willing to have a conversation with me, I I did take it to heart a little bit. Mm. I it made me feel like maybe they're right. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I don't know enough. Maybe mm. I should bring in a senior male advisor into the meeting. And then there was a part of me that was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, no, being a woman is not a disadvantage. It's actually my advantage because now I can walk into a room and I know that I can provide you all the things that a man can't. And you can go out and you can go on Google, you can go networking and find a male advisor anywhere, right? But to find a female advisor that can be empathetic and understanding like your mom would be or your sister would be or your wife would be, that is 10 times harder. Anybody can talk about investments. Anybody can talk about taxes or estate planning, right? But really what I feel is my forte is the relationships. Like I, and I do feel that it's because I'm a woman, I'm able to kind of break down these really complex topics and really complex ideas. And I love seeing clients faces when they're like, oh, well, that's it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's Come it. On. So yeah, to me, um, when I first started in the industry, being a, a female, a woman in finance was tough. And now I embrace it. I, I just <laughs> love that. It makes me so happy because it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not going to get emotional. All right. We're going to move on to three. And, and here's what, what life's like now. Now, I, I was so excited that a couple of weeks ago I saw on your Instagram page, I saw you post something about getting back from Houston and I saw some of that stuff. And I think someone asked about like the Astros and boy, they are garbage. <laughs> boy, no pun intended, garbage cans. But boy, man, I, I am so excited to hear about what you're doing. You, you now are a partner at a financial firm. You started your own business based on your own reputation and expertise around personal finance. And when people hear your name, they think about money and finance already. So you've built that career. Um, tell me a little bit more about kind of how you move, like what's changed now that's allowing you to kind of move so gracefully throughout kind of your career and how you you keep leveling up. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if I would say gracefully because okay. I can tell you behind the scenes, um, I'm still running around very, very crazy. Very, I'm still, <laughs> I'm, I think my, I'll, I'll always, I'll always have the hustler in me. Good. Um, now just very organized hustler, good, good. <laughs> very purposeful and intentional hustler, <laughs> not all over the place. Um, you know, I think really what changed for me, like I said, was my focusing on my personal brand. So ironically enough, um, I kind of put all my effort into creating my brand. And, and at the time I didn't realize it was my brand. I just thought I'm going to use my Instagram platform to educate people and to show them, Hey, finance and investing is not as hard as you think it is. Mm -hmm. And I think over time, as I started interacting with more people, getting more followers, um, getting more interest, um, I realized, Oh, wow. Like this is very powerful. It was to the point where I was at a friend's daughter's birthday party and she's like, at the time I was studying for my CFP exam. Mm -hmm. So I took a break from social media because the studying was a mountain in itself. And I remember being at her birthday party and she was like, you know, my husband wants to know, 
if you're okay because you haven't posted on social media oh. in a while and he wants to he's really interested in in seeing your answers to your finance fridays wow. <laughs> so i was like wow people notice like i and that was to me um something very subtle but it was very it was impactful to me to realize okay like the platform I have here is powerful. Yeah. And like I said, ironically enough, I, I am now a partner at a firm and the firm is based out of Houston. So I'll probably be traveling a lot. And like I said, on my Instagram, I will proudly wear my Dodger gear around Houston. There you go. Um, and um, the part, the founder of the firm actually found me through Instagram. Wow. Yeah. And we connected and, you know, we kind of saw eye to eye on values and our philosophies in the industry and you know kind of what we see as some of the cons that some of the advisors are how they're working with clients and how we can better serve people and he made me an offer that i i couldn't say no to so that's so good there's so many things now uh, plug the instagram for us because we don't do instagram as much and i want if you're on instagram and you're not following tanya and you don't know about these fridays you have to hear about them so tell everybody what yes, it is um, my instagram is tanya underscore t underscore Okay, and and mom, you have to use the at symbol yes. first. I'm, I'm just kidding. My mom is better at Instagram than I am, um, and she's probably watching right now. Which is, so be careful. Uh, what I would love to hear about is this. I'm going to ask you a little bit about your expertise, because one of the things that I really enjoy about the podcast is being able to hear through your eyes, like transactional competence in your field, and how working with the different personalities, understanding how that works but then also teaching me something about your world and you become the expert kind of yeah. take on the soapbox moment, yeah. if you will. Your through line was when you undervalue what you do, the world will undervalue who you are. Yeah. Another way of saying it is how we say it. Um, if you don't respect your own value, nobody else will. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about um, how you began to, well, first off, if you remember value or a definition that you might have a value or, and I'll even give you a hint, there's two elements of value and see what, what happens there. And number two, when did you start to really own your own value? And then we'll go into some finance stuff. When I started to own my own value was definitely when I started to have more conversations with followers on Instagram. Okay. And that was because what I was running into very often were people would reach out to me asking about how they could work with me. And then I would send them um, a menu of like services and fees, and then they would not respond to me. Mm. They would not respond to me, or they would say, oh, I'm going to think about it, or you know what, I've got other expenses coming up. And then I would see a few weeks later that they were like at a bar or at a party oh. or like traveling. And I started to take that to heart a little bit because I would then reach back out to them and say, hey, I want to help you. Um, tell me what I can do to meet your needs financially, like where I can meet you halfway. And honestly, it was my husband, the one that was like, you have to stop doing that okay. because you have to see value in your fees because of the value that you're bringing to the table. Yeah. And I said, for me, it was difficult to do because my purpose and, you know, leaving my big firm was making sure that I could serve a bigger community yeah. and I wanted to be accessible, but I thought to myself, you know what, you're right. If people don't know how to prioritize their cash and don't realize that 
the fees that they're paying to an advisor are an investment, not an expense, then it's not my job to diminish my value yes. so that they, so that I can meet them in their mixed priorities. So good. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny when you see people, you know, Oh, I can't do influential you. And I'm like, Oh, why not? It's too expensive. Yeah. And I go, Oh, great. And then the next week yeah. I'm seeing them, you know, right. tr just drop money right. on that new Tesla or, and I'm right. like, Oh, you could have bought three Teslas, you know, right. or, and, yes. and that's probably a similar it feeling is. with this. It is. It is very much so. So I'll, yeah. I'll say this, it, it's, it's value. When we talk about it, utility and scarcity, uh -huh. what makes you useful mm -hmm. and scarce. And you kind of talked a little bit about it when you talked about, Hey, I'm not a man. Yeah. Um, I don't come to it that mm -hmm. approach and that's mm -hmm. where my value is. And it's, to me, it's just, it's incredible to kind of see you emanate the value. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm, I'm going to ask you to tell me a little bit about your soapbox moment about, I hear a lot of people on Instagram say things. And mm. I think the way of saying it is qualified feedback. Mm. And I'd love to hear what you would love to share about to our listeners and to me about qualified feedback in the financial field and talk a little bit about that. Um, are you talking about like, in like the current? Like yes. What I, okay. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, since COVID social media has become what I call a double edged sword. Mm -hmm. It is a wonderful place where you can meet people, create a network. You can, there's so many pages that are dedicated to business tips. Um, there's even like accountants on social media now and they're posting, you know, similar to like what I do, you know, finance tips. Um, on the other hand though, I think a lot of people take the feedback that they're getting from some individuals that are not so qualified, mm -hmm. very literally. And that's why I say that it's a double-edged sword, because to a certain extent, there is a lot of misinformation and blanket advice being thrown out there that may necessarily not be appropriate for everybody. And to me, it's a little bit scary when I'm scrolling through, you know, TikTok or Instagram and I see like, oh, how to write off your $60,000 Tesla like legally, or as long as you buy something on a business credit card, it's deductible. Or <laughs> here, you if you buy this policy, you'll get guaranteed returns and don't lose your money in the market and 401ks are a scam. And I'm just like, oh God, like if I'm seeing that and to me, it's overwhelming. I can't imagine as a person that has no expertise in finance, how confusing it may be. Mm -hmm. So it is one thing that I always say, don't take advice from somebody that does not know your situation 100% mm. because they are not qualified to make a re recommendation on a situation that they are not fully aware of. So good. Now, and I've, I've heard some of the, I don't, I don't want to say any, any mm. brands or stuff, but like, what do you need a financial advisor for? Like mm. you, all, what you need is a friend. Mm. You've got Google. Mm. Tell me what that does and, and tell me what you would say to someone like that. Yeah. You know, especially with the rise of chat GPT now, um, this is kind of the conversation that I was having with another advisor when I was in Houston, because he seemed to be a little bit concerned about how we would justify our fees. And I say, listen, um, people know that diet and exercise will help you lose weight. Do people diet and exercise? Mm -hmm. There's still plenty of people that are obese. Mm. 
our job here is education. Just because you can read an article from whatever source that it's being put out through doesn't mean that you're going to understand how to structure a portfolio. Um, and the biggest thing I feel like one is accountability. Um, that's where I feel like clients get the most value is accountability, having somebody there to remind them, hey, remember, we set these goals. And the priority is these goals. And if you don't want to allocate money towards these goals, remember that this is what you're losing out on. Um, and two, I think it's just more behavioral. I think the, finan the finance industry is really shifting towards more of like understanding the human side of money and understanding people's behavioral needs. And that's something that no, no app or technology is ever going to replace. So good. All right. One last question. Shoot it. And, and this is what I, I, this is actually kind of for my, um, my CEO probably okay. uh, we had a, we had a really special thing happen. If you'd look in the camera and in Spanish, tell uh -huh. people why they should study at influential youth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why they should study? Yeah, why they, why they should come and have a conversation with Josh? Something, whatever you want, and you don't have to translate it to me. I don't. I do not care. Say whatever you'd like, but do it in uh, you know in another another language. It'll be really fun. Okay. Um, si usted es un empresario o una empresaria que está batallando en alcanzar sus metas o crecer su negocio, usted tiene que venir a tener una conversación con Josh. Josh le va a ayudar a realizar y a to todas sus metas y, a, y a averiguar qué está pasando en sus hábitos, en sus sistemas, en, su día, en sus días, todos los días en su rutina para ver cómo él le puede ayudar. Uh, I think that was a little all over the place. Oh, all I can tell you is do what she said. That's so good. Well, and then um, I guess kind of as a, as a last thing, um, life is, like, is good now. You're up in Los Angeles County now, and, and you're, you're doing that. Um, is there anything else that maybe we can take away as far as like what you now offer to the marketplace? If Why would someone need to come and talk to you? What is a really good person that you'd love to meet, um, and how can they get connected with you? My biggest requirement in taking on a client is I always tell people, you are interviewing me to hire me as an advisor as much as I'm interviewing you to hire you as a client because I do not want my phone to ring and for me to see your name on my screen and be like, oh my God, what does he want now? So for me, the biggest um, quality or trait that I look for in a client is one, to be coachable. Um, you have to want to improve your financial situation because if there is no sense of urgency there or if there is no desire to improve your finances, you can work with 100 financial advisors and it's not going to happen because at the end of the day, your financial advisor cannot care more about your situation than you care about mm. it yourself. Mm, so good. So really... Anybody that feels that they are in a position to improve their finances, which I feel like to a certain extent is all of us all the time, um, especially people that are very ambitious, you know, they, they check one box off and then they're off to the next one. Mm. So as long as you are coachable, willing to listen and, and take guidance and just be open to all of the options that are out there for you, I would be happy to work with you. So good. And let's get that website one more time. It's coming up next week with the, the new website. What is it again? It's Power. 
Yes, powerplanningco.com. We are launching next week with our flagship planner, which is the power planner that I spoke about. I'm very excited. Um, it did take me about a year to put together. So there's a lot of sweat, tears, Ugh. no blood, but sweat and tears. <laughs> yeah, good. And remind me, we're talking about mechanics and practice afterwards. Get rid of all that. I'm just yes. kidding. Just all right. Thank you so much, Tanya, for coming Thank on. You, I'm going to tell, tell you guys this. I'm going to tell you a couple things that I've heard and I learned. First off, willpower. People talk all the time about being ambitious, being ambitious, being ambitious. And that's great, but it's also the lowest form of acting. You may want to consider that that willpower will run out. You need an environment around you that's going to help you get your aims. And if that environment is a financial advisor, find one. And Tanya is wonderful. You will love speaking with her. I highly recommend talking with her. She's one of my favorites. Number two, it's really this idea of the ineffectiveness of what we're doing. Stopping and slowing down the transactions to think about, is this actually working? Is this effective? And then moving in a way where you know exactly what comes next, knowing the entire transaction, not just doing part of it and calling it a day. You may be working too hard. There may be an easier way. And lastly, how are you going to increase your value? Your value is utility and scarcity. How are you going to put yourself in the market where your career can really be valuable? And Tanya is a sponge. And if you didn't, I was blown away before the interview. I said, now you don't have to know all the linguistic distinctions, <laughs> but girl, she did. And I haven't talked. It's been a while. So just know that, that it's really valuable to take the time to really think accurately about what you're doing and then build those transactions. Now, if you'd like to increase your value, I'm going to sell you real quick. You need to go to influentialu.global and explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. We offer a four-year curriculum for those seeking an advanced experience like Tanya, but if you are new to Influential U, we recommend that you start our brand new Thrive program. It's self-guided training. Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty, plus discounts to our transformative conferences. Sign up today and use promo code 20OFF, that's 20OFF, for a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. Once again, it's coupon code 20OFF. Next week, we begin a very special series on the condition of life relationship. And we have a few couples who have agreed to join me on the Influential You podcast. Each of our couples have studied with us and will share how understanding their own transactional personalities and the transactional personalities of their partners helps them satisfy their condition of life relationship even better. Next week's episode will be an absolute treat as I get to interview Paul Harris and Moira Clay from Perth, Australia, here in studio in Ojai, California. I may walk out with an accent. Paul is a judge personality specializing in blockchain, but he's also retired. And Moira, well, she's just the founder and CEO of Moira Clay Consulting, and her sole focus is helping Australian health and medical research leaders achieve transform transform transformative <laughs> health benefits for the community. I will try not to cry, but please know I love this couple very much and I may not be able to hold my emotions. I love relationships. 
Thank you so much for listening today. Each week we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, so you can easily share this podcast with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other place that you get your podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with Tanya, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads that we may have talked about on today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the influential you staff, faculty, and members all around the world. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, with contributions from John Patterson, Michael Teehee, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, Liz Smiley, and a special thanks to our guest, Tanya Torres. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded on January 25th, 2023. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring and entitled Fast Train to Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. We'll see you next week on the Influential You podcast. Thank you.